welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your Seriously Pointless podcast about all your nerdy and geek things across time and the perfect society, which is Alpha Complex. <laughs> I'm your host, David, and I'm joined by the co-host, James. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Hello, friend James. <laughs> you look worried, citizen. Relax. That's welcome right. to Alpha Complex. The year is 214. Take have... a take a relaxing pill. That's right. <laughs> you have six clones of a laser in a laser pistol. The computer is your friend. That's right. So if you guys haven't figured it out yet by our dumb nomenclature that we've been spewing out, uh, we are going to be talking about the world famous Paranoia RPG, which this is probably one of our one of our favorite RPGs that we played, other than Pathfinder and D anD. I would say this is easily top ten RPGs of all time. Oh, hundred uh, percent. That's a so. controversial statement. Especially since it's, you wouldn't like play a campaign of paranoia. Oh God, no! But for one shots, it is amazing. I know. There's no. I don't think I could do a prolonged campaign. Maybe like one or two sessions, maybe. But like the one shots are just the antithesis. They're just so good and they're so wacky and insane. We'll get into it a little bit yeah, later. I, I did find a campaign one time that I almost wanted to play. Yeah. But it was one of those really straight laced ones where. It'd be so oppressive that I don't think you could actually enjoy playing it. You can That's the thing is that you can go. You have to go hard one way or the other with it. And I'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. But it's, it's, it's either going to be incredibly just so like trying to tie yourself in, in knots to try to figure out how to how to get what you need to get done, or it's going to be just a straight Orwellian 1984 type thing. This one verged into the Orwellian. Ooh. Uh, the. The writer of it was inspired by Chairman Mao's Great Leap Forward. Oh God, <laughs> I've I've read bits and pieces of that dude, and that is that is a tough. Oh man, it had the same kind of vibe where like Woo. the players were put in charge of an algae factory, and they were supposed to use this new process that didn't work. Yeah. And the factory dies, but you have to meet quotas anyway. And if you succeed in acquiring enough algae to meet your quota, they put you in charge of a block of factories. No. And it just keeps getting bigger that's, and bigger that's until, mind numbing. until either society collapses around you or you just fail and get killed. <laughs> One of the two happens. That's not even fun. And no, it's not even fun. This is why I never tried to run it with you guys. That I, one was well, a little bit too far into the uh, dystopian nightmare. I know. <laughs> so to be fair, though, in, in my and Zach's defense, we would probably try and derail it as quickly as possible. <laughs> Oh, for sure. And you would you would either like you I don't think you could keep a straight face with us. You would probably have to like kill our characters off to make it continue. Well that's now, okay, because you have a six pack, so That's right. I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but Jackie Jackie actually might win that one. She might. She has proven to be surprisingly good at paranoia. <laughs> which is a little disturbing. I I, I mm, you don't know my wife as well as I do, sleep, so sleep lightly. That's I have a feeling one day. I'll have to start saying, hello, friend Jackie. How was your day? What tasks do you have for me today? I will gladly complete them. But anyways, before we get into the rabbit hole, or I'm sorry, the perfect society, which is uh, 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 paranoia, uh, let's do a little bit of a recap, James. What have you been up to, man? Oh, I've been working the night shift this last week, so not a lot. I read an excellent uh, lit RPG book by Maxime Durand called nice. uh, Kairos. Okay. It's uh, three novels, and it's a Greek-inspired lit RPG. Oh, that's cool. And it's actually really, really good. Okay. Uh, they, it takes place after what they call the, uh, the Tetramachia, where humanity rose up and killed off most of the Greek pantheon. 
Mm-hmm. And in the process, some of them were able to become gods, some of them weren't. Poseidon floods most of the world as vengeance. Oh. And it starts out with this uh, kind of archipelago, like an archipelago nation. Okay. And the main character is like the son of a pirate. And can, can I ask you, is it on uh, Audible? It is on Audible, and it is also on um, Kindle. Okay. Yeah, Kindle Unlimited, cool. it's on there. So I enjoyed that a lot. It's only three books. It's a pretty quick read. They're okay. shortish. I enjoyed that a lot. You also read like a marathon runner. So let's be honest, James, and be nice to everybody else. If you're like me, it'll probably take you six months to get to the three books. Okay. It took me three days to finish the series. But... See what I mean? <laughs> Your job basically is to read things. So let's be honest, okay? <laughs> um, I used to be like that, and it's it's still like my brain is now. It's like, oh, I got to like take a break every once in a while. But um, check it out. See if it's out at your uh, local libraries, guys. I know I, I have found some of your recommendations quite easily at libraries, at which I'm kind oh, of surprised. I had no idea that they actually existed in print form. I thought these were all just online. but Or you can search around online. I'm sure they, dude, I'm sure they've got it at, like, if you want to find the books somewhere, I'm sure they've got them online. But... Because that's the nice thing about the library. So nice, uh, a plug for our public library, uh, the Cape Public Library, since my mom worked there at one point. Um, she did a lot of the interlibrary loans, and all you have to do is say, hey, I would like to read this book. It's not in your catalog. And they're like, we'll ask around in all of Missouri, and they'll say, oh, hey, we have this one up in Kansas City. Give us a second. We'll, we'll get it to you in just a like, couple weeks. Or it might be not even a week. Maybe it's just like a, week, a single week, and then next week it's there, and you can rent it, borrow it for three weeks, read it, and then send it back. It's very nice. I used to do that in college to get research material and stuff because they can yep. come up with anything if you give them a week to show up. Yep. For it to show up. You just got to pre-plan a little ahead of times. So yeah, it's it's like I said. I think a lot of people. This is another rare, rare tangent, but I think our public library system is probably one of the better things that we have. Uh, compared to the rest of the world it's it's really kind of interesting how well it works and you could pretty much get anything you want to read if you don't have access to the internet or like i said maybe you're like us you like some fairly rare stuff that's not necessarily online which yes for younger people it's easy to think that everything's online it's not not the case the vast majority stuff is online but you can probably find about 75 percent of stuff online yeah but if you want to find like rare, rare manuscripts, texts, things like that, they will, they, a lot of times they'll let you bring it, they'll bring it to the library, like in a special container, they'll have somebody with you and you can look through it essentially. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, you just have to give them a legitimate reason why you want to look at it. Obviously <laughs> it's like, not be like, I want to read the first, uh, the first, you know, uh, you know, Luther's, uh, first printed bible they will not do that for you obviously no. it's like i need the anarchist cookbook for a book report <laughs> book report yes no we will sh- we shall not be doing that and by the way you are also now placed on the watch list so yes, have fun with that quickly. so um, the other thing that i'm going to be doing later this week is i'm going to play wrath of the lamb nice it came out i haven't touched it yet because i've been playing minecraft cuz like I said, I've been sleep it's deprived, a, and I need something zen. And I've it's a zen it. moment. It's okay. That's right. I've been building a giant mob. Do you do you light your candles and stuff while you watch and sit in your bathrobe? For the Wrath of the Lamb, I might. I might. Just I your need, bathrobe, I need though, a very right? rare steak to go with it. <laughs> have you watched any of, like, uh, Northern Lion or any of those guys playing? I have bit? watched a little bit of it. It looks really good. The, the only downs that I've seen so far about it is apparently the replay value is not very high. It's the only downside. <sighs> yeah, it's... It's got this base and cult building mechanic to it yeah. that it's not a pure roguelike like you know Isaac where you can just very much blast a, it over, um, and over and over again. What was it? The uh, oxygen, please. Like oxygen not included. Oxygen they mentioned it has some of those type of base building, you know, like meeple managing things going yeah. on. 
so yeah, I can see how the cult managing part of the aspect of it and like the tech tree unlocking, it's not going to be one of those sink a thousand hours into it roguelikes, yeah. but I think it'll be a lot of fun. They anyway. do they do have, from what I've seen in it, uh, from some of the gameplays, they do have an endless mode, like an endless floor mode, like if you just want to go and kill a bunch of stuff. Okay. They do have that kind of mode. I have a feeling that they're going to probably push out a few updates here and there. Oh, I'm sure they They'll will. probably expand it a little bit. Um, because it has been, even though it has kind of that lackluster type stuff a little bit on regards to like the gameplay a little bit, or the length of the gameplay at least, it has been very well received from what I've gathered. This is apparently the biggest thing that people are calling is that the soundtrack is just bonkers good. Yeah. And we've said this before, I would rather have a game that plays great for 20 hours than have one that is worthless for 50 hours. Like, a short, good game is fine. That That is fine. Yeah. Sometimes a self, like you said, a self-contained game is 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 it's it's like having the chance to eat some delicate, like tiny piece of wagyu, as opposed to having <laughs> a thirty-two ounce tomahawk steak. It's like sometimes <laughs> one is gonna taste better than the other, even though it won't last as long. Yeah. So that's that's the way I would always compare it to it. Or a giant, or how about 30, 32 ounces of mutton chop? How about that? There's something satisfying about finishing a game. Yeah, I mean. The Binding of Isaac is a game. It's a wall that you bang your head into. Yeah. You do it for a month, and then you get bored of it, and you come back in six months, and you do it again. I don't know what you're talking but about, you're James. Never, but you're never going to finish it. Says I'm sure there are some watch me. Who, I'm sure there's some people who 100% of it, but I'm never going to do it. That's because you don't have the dedication. You want to be the very best, the best there ever was. Got to get all the items. That's my real time. You got to catch them all. <laughs> Anyways, I, could, I couldn't make it work. <laughs> it is. I'm going to be honest with you. Having, having restarted that game three separate times, it is is 100% like banging your head against the wall. But So so is that pretty much everything you've done? That's about up? it. I haven't been doing too much this last week. Yeah, night shifts. Switching over to night shifts were always the roughest time for me, too. You just You kind of just like... Brr. And just kind of like zone out a little bit, try to find something that's well and that's good enough to keep you awake, so you can switch exactly. over. You need something to do for a couple of long nights while everyone else is asleep. And this time that was Minecraft. Yep, it's all uh, matters. So hey, something done. Good. Um, on my end, uh, I've actually what a Jackie and I fan. We started watching The Sandman, which is on Netflix. How was it? I watched a couple of trailers for it, and the trailers looked good. Really good. Yeah. It's really good. It's so I'm I was worried. The original author like directed it, which is a good plus. So. I think so. I don't know if I don't know. Did he direct it? I don't know if it's, it's I know he, he was, was involved. He was deeply involved in it. Very, Neil Gaiman was very heavily involved from what I remember. And um, he's directed a lot of shows before, so he's not like yes. naive to the television medium. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Of, well, that's the, so that's the thing he did. Um what was it? Uh the life's life and time. No, that's the book within the book. It's um, the one about the angel and the demon, which are on Earth together, and they're like best friends. I can't remember what it is, but he wrote it with Terry Pratchett, and I cannot remember what the name of the book is, but it's really good. Okay. Um, they actually started to make a TV show about it, and he is involved in that one. That was pretty recent, though, but there's some other ones that he did a while back. Like, he did a BBC version of Neverwhere, which is just, you can tell it's really 90s um yeah, but he's done some bbc shows before too like he was involved with uh Doctor Who for a while and... yeah which he has some really good like uh really good episodes that he wrote yeah and i was, was, I was pleasantly surprised so 
But um, we're on episode six. Um, really enjoyed it. They've they're starting to weave. They're weaving all the stories together. And so, as opposed to it being kind of like this is the end of this chapter, this is the end of this chapter, it all kind of flows together a lot more. I figure they would cut out a lot of the side story. Bits, they have like, like the whole cuckoo storyline, and like, I don't know yet. We'll start to see, I guess. But I will be I will be pleasantly surprised. I will give usually for TVs they want more tightly written characters than yeah comic books, which kind of lend themselves to the side stories. Well, I what I really hope is at one point, hopefully, I I think. They haven't renewed it for a season two. I really hope they do a season two, um, and they kind of fill reception. it out a little bit. What's that? It's gotten a good reception. You're not the first person I've heard about. Oh it. yeah, people are buzzing about it. Oh no, absolutely. Um, and I think the guy that they picked for uh, uh, to play Dream is just stellar. He's got the tone down perfectly. Mm-hmm. He he looks like him. I w- I honestly wish they would have gotten like James McAvoy because he does the audiobook <laughs> version of Dream. And, like, Kat Dennings does uh, Death's voice. But the thing is, I also like the gal that does, uh, she plays Death in this. And she's, she does a really good job. I don't know where, I don't know where she's from, but I love, I've loved all the people. And they are changing a few things here and there, like, for whatever reason, they made, um, they made John Constantine in this, Joanna Constantine. So it's a woman a little bit, it doesn't bother me any. They probably couldn't afford the rights to John Constantine. Well, maybe, um, but the thing, yeah, that's well, thing doesn't is, Fox have Constantine because they made the movie? I don't know. That might have been one of those I things. Said, I, I doubt they could afford the rights to Constantine, so they made a similar character, which is slightly different. Yeah, and that might have been one of those things too. But things they also have some pretty decent actors in this man, like the guy that they had play, um, oh, the crazy guy that stole that has uh, dreams. Ruby is he was like a pretty big actor back in the 90s and early 2000s he's a british actor he's a professor lupin from the harry potter movies oh, okay yeah. so yeah he's um i can't remember his name but, but he's yeah you know, so they get some decent named and like decent like uh people and they even have the guy that plays uh oh uh the lannister uh he was in game of thrones he's got a very stereotypical british like highbrow british kind of guy mm-hmm. voice he's very good at like military roles but yeah. he plays that guy uh one of the characters there too it's really good too so i would highly recommend it um in regards to anything else um let me think uh started to watch the she hulk tv show which just came out uh i'm still on the fence about it i yeah. don't know it's it's interesting to say the least I want to wait and see how it goes forward. It's only like 35, 40 minutes of an episode. So okay. I think they could have made it a little bit longer, maybe. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just a little much to shove into one TV, one episode. The dialogue is pretty good, though. I will admit that. So that one okay. of the, this is one of the things I found out. Apparently, the, the lady that wrote the Pickle Rick episode mm-hmm. freaking morty which is one of the <laughs> biggest ones she is the showrunner for this okay so needless to say the dialogue is it's quick it's snappy it's funny well, um good. it's really good and i will admit that um i will i will hold off judgment to give it a couple more episodes and see how it goes um but yeah that's and tv shows wise that's pretty much all i've, I've been up to uh video game wise uh you mentioned it earlier uh i went back into the realm which is isaac um <laughs> i'm trying to get a couple more things unlocked uh this it's been my pressure release this last week um yeah. 
since, like I was telling you earlier, Jack, he's getting ready for school to start back up again. It's a little bit, a little stressful in the household um, <laughs> while she's trying to get everything going because she's got to deal with the administration's BS and all that jazz. So uh, that's what I do to de-stress. Uh, <laughs> I I go, I delve into the base Isaac's basement, and I have a good time. That's what I do. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, I've gotten quite a few unlocked. I actually finally beat greed mode with um kane which he's actually surprisingly hard to beat with kane. is it kane might have been the other one who's got the luck foot oh that's kane that is kane so it might have been kane then yeah so. yeah the thing with greed mode is like some of those the greed mode unlocks tend to be really really good for the characters they you get them for like yeah they unlock a new feature and a lot of them are frankly like patching bad characters yes and so you almost want to do the greed mode before you do the rest of their unlocks. Would have been nice to know beforehand, but I, I'm like, I'm hitting it afterwards. <laughs> so it's okay, though. I, I, I Like Maggie's greed mode lets her always start with the speed pill. Yeah. Which, which really, really helps her out. A hundred percent. You know, it's, it's, that's the thing is like a lot of times if you don't research at all and you're just playing through the dime, you know, dumb luck, that's kind of what I end up doing. So, but um, other than that, I think that's, everything that i've been up to uh are you ready to go into our our perfect world so a whole new world as it were so so paranoia is a yeah give us a little background james paranoia is an anti-rpg right so yeah it's a dystopian science fiction tabletop game it was designed and written by uh, greg kostikin dan gerber and eric goldberg published in 1984 by west end games originally uh, since 2004, the game was bought back by the original developers. I took it away from West End Games. We'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. And now it's under Mongoose Publishing. It well, won the Origin Awards for its first year. It was out in 1984 for Best Role-Playing Game. Uh, it's in the Origin Awards Hall of Fame since 2007. What makes it different is it's more of a competitive game than a cooperative game. Yeah. You are highly encouraged to act on your own interests. You are highly encouraged to betray, backstab, and kill the other players. And it's got this really delightfully kind of lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek tone. Well, let me ask you this, James. So where did you first run into this? Because I know that since this has been out since 84, which is three years before either of us were born, yes. um, shows how old we are. Uh, we're old fuddy-duddies at this point. So where, where did you first encounter this? Because I know we've been playing it so... To put it in retrospect, you know, in a perspective, everybody, James and I have been playing D and D probably since what high school? Since high school, yeah. high school, yeah. so a while. while there. We did, we mostly three point five stuff like that, and mm-hmm. then I guess maybe waste. Well, I kind of started branching out a little bit in college, a little bit. Well, and for us too, paranoia was in a weird spot at that point, which, like, we'll talk about later. Mongoose Games was going under, yeah, and dying out whenever we were in high school. And so Paranoia was just wasn't really known at that point. Yeah. Kind of Paranoia out, XP, yeah. which kind of rebooted the franchise that uh, Mongoose published, came out, I think, in 2007. So it just wasn't really around when we were in high school. So I found it for the first time whenever Critical Role did a Paranoia one-shot. Oh. And their version of Paranoia leans towards the slapstick end. And you can play Paranoia everywhere from, like, Three Stooges slapstick-level comedy to dystopian nightmare this game isn't even fun anymore most people play somewhere in the middle yes (laughs) but 
it, it goes both ways. But yeah, that was the first time I ran into it and I saw it and I thought, this is so cool. I have to play it. So let me let me ask you, when did, do you kind of know roughly about when that was coming out? Because um, that critical, critical, that was, Critical Role has been around actually quite a while, right? That was, I was in my postgraduate education, I think, when that one came out. So seven years ago, something like that. Yes. Seven or eight years ago, something. 2016, it's what it says, is when they, yeah. they posted it, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's a good, probably six years, so. Yeah. Six years ago, it's roughly. It's been quite a while. That's kind of interesting, so that would be probably one of the first. And that was when the 25th anniversary editions of the game were coming out. Yeah. yeah. See, now I remember it, now that you say that, I remember that because they all, I remember they the all dressed set, up in red jumpsuits. And, and it's like a white like set and everything. And it's like supposed to be clean and pure and things like that. And didn't they have they had some big names with like they had a uh, Will Wheaton was playing with them, didn't he? They did. And was it Felicia Day too? Yeah, she was in that one too. Okay. Yeah. That was back when they were all a happy family before Critical Role split off. Yeah, Will Wheaton and Felicia Day were both in that. And they had like the guest dungeon master for it. I can't remember what he was it he clearly knew Bri- what he was doing? Was it the Brian guy with the Not kind of poofy been. hair and the yeah, glasses? Yeah, yeah, it was Brian. He yeah. he he comes in every once in a while and he does some stuff. So yeah, I think he's still with um, uh, Geek and Sundry. So, mm-hmm. but but yeah, that's kind of a cool concept though. That so after you got a hold of it, I think the first time we ever played it was whenever you were doing. I think you were down. I was working in. Uh, I was living in. I was living in Park Hills at the time, and you were living in Farmington. I think so when we and I came down. We came down and played it a couple times. Maybe yeah. it was yeah because and that might have been the first time I think we ever actually played that. Um, and that that but then I think it was like a long hiatus. It was a long hiatus because we I think the next time we actually sat down and played it with you was whenever we did it with our current D&D group a year or two ago. Yeah, which, to be fair, I think they've had a blast because... We played it twice with them already. Oh, right? yeah. And, and to put it in perspective, um, you know, Zach had a little bit of background uh, in RPGs, but, like, Tara doesn't didn't have any background. Shanna really didn't have mm-hmm. any at that point. She had well, other than with us, right? Yeah. Um, and Jackie really didn't, other than you know just playing with us. I wouldn't call them how how it was. It was just hardcore nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I would know. I would call that. I would call. I would call them. Um, if if the opportunity presents themselves, sure, I'll try it. Kind of people. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's kind of what I, I would I would I would put it as. They would probably not be playing it if we weren't pushing them to. A hundred percent. But but the fact that they they went in and we suggested this, they have they all had a, a a blast from I remember. Seriously, and paranoia is a little bit weird. It's different. Yeah. It, it's rules light. Well, it can be rules light. I think it's best played rules light. A hundred percent. So, um, well, now that we kind of figured out, you know, like, you know, the origins a little bit, do you want to tell me kind of what, what was the setting? What's the Let's setting like? the setting a little bit. I don't think people will understand it without that. So yeah. the game is this dystopian future where humanity lives in bunkers underground. And you live in this bunker called Alpha Complex. It's been controlled by a computer program, which is named Friend Computer. It's a civil service AI who's like a literal realization of like the influencing machines schizophrenic yeah. nightmare. <laughs> the ga- the computer is the principal antagonist and agonist for the story. Yep. And uh, 
also kind of serves as the voice of the dungeon master. Now, the computer perceives its society to be perfect. Emphasis on perceives. Yes, 100%. And sees everything that's a threat to its society as traitors, and traitors are punished with summary execution. Um, so things like the outdoors, things like the history yep. of the world, knowledge of the rules by the players. Yeah. Uh, all these things are threats to the perfect society, and there are things that the computer hates. Yeah. Um, there's also mutants and secret societies. The original version of the game was very focused on communists being a threat. Well, Usually in a very slapstick way. Remember, this came out in the 80s, right after the Cold War. And During the Cold War. Who doesn't like shooting up communists, right? Yeah. But <laughs> the more recent versions of the game have added more stuff, like, you know, more post-consumerist... Um, like, you know, advertising apocalyptic type themes. Yep. They've, in the very most recent version of the game, started phasing out the communist thing in favor of uh, terrorists. Yep. Which, again, it's the same idea. It's just taking a little bit D of a more modern spin on it. Different name for the same thing, basically. So, to deal with all these threats that the computer perceives in its society, it has conscripted a group of just random individuals yep. called troubleshooters, whose job is to find trouble and shoot it. Um. <laughs> quite, quite literally and that's the one thing one of the that's one of the sidebar here like yeah that's one of the things i really enjoy about like this game is they use straight like when you think it's like an analogy or like the name they have you think it's a knack an acronym no no it's a troubleshooter they want you to shoot the trouble or it's a six pack no you have a six pack of people yes clones <laughs> to choose from like that's all you have so, it's very direct it's fun yeah though. and so players have six lives in each campaign they have six different clones and if you die in the course of the game be reborn as one of your clones yep. uh, the central conceit of the game though is that players typically get frankly impossible self-contradictory missions from the computer things which will obviously kill them if they do it and so part of the game is to try to fulfill the computer the the letter of the computer's mission without committing treason in a way that can get you caught and get you killed. That's right. Now, at the same time, the other players can get rewarded if they catch you committing treason. And uh, there is a lot of incentive to sell you out. Sometimes even to make things up. Yep. And to add another level to it, everyone's a member of a secret society, which, of yep. course, is treasonous as well. Yep. And that gives you some cross-purposes. So maybe you're a part of the computer freaks and you believe in hacking computers. Well, you're part of the machine club, the machine, uh, the church of the machine, which believes yeah. the computer's a god, or you're part of the death lovers want to blow things up, but your secret society gives you a kind of bonus mission that you need to accomplish at the same time as the main mission. <laughs> Usually the two are contradictory to each other as well. That is, that is one of the fun and things. And so that's the yeah. thing, trying to get everything done and not get killed at the end of the game is very, very difficult. Yeah, it is. It is one of those games where it's it's comical in a way that they have these things that are at such odds with each other. So, like prime example, like like you said, normally the one thing that comes to mind was the last game we played with each other. We had to go. We were supposed to go and guard this um, super tank thing or whatever it was, yeah. and we had. But at the same time, I was supposed to go in there, and my job was to destroy it. You know, and I actually, I think I, I, I think I actually won that one, didn't I? I think you did. Someone I, blew it up. If that right, was me. That was you. It was me because I, think I Eck was trying to like hack it. I think you were trying to destroy it. Kelly yeah. wanted to save it. Yes, and like <laughs> I said, it's, and that's the thing that's like, it, it, even though you you were all working together to try and complete friend computer's mission, right? 
you're still at the same time, you're still trying to like, oh, do I do I try and do what friend computer is telling me to do? Or do I try and work on my other mission at the same time? Or like, how do I get away with it at the same time? Is there are, and that's the thing, though, the mission, the mission parameters are so vague <laughs> that you can literally as long, if you can think about how to do it, how to complete your mission, you can you can get there. It doesn't matter how you get there. It does not matter how you get there. As long as you don't get caught in the process, you can do whatever you want. That is exactly 100% true. And that's so. the thing is like everyone also is a mutant of some type. Yeah. It's like uh, living underground has made people to mutants. Hopefully you got a good mutant power. Uh, my yeah, favorite that's... one is Doom. <laughs> like Doom with like three exclamation points. Yeah. What does the power do? It causes Doom. <laughs> yes. If you roll well, you might get to decide where the Doom happens, but probably not. <laughs> Things just happen. Oh my god. Like that's... you can have really great powers, like, you know, sh- shooting lightning bolts or really bad ones like having sticky skin. Yes. <laughs> because if something like that's the thing though, like so if you're just like walking along and you don't have control of your, your powers, right? And you just randomly touch something and it gets stuck to you, or say you get stuck to a wall and like friend computer sees you or somebody sees you, like they're like, Oh, they they like they, they might, you know, rat you out or Maybe they're like, or maybe they'll blackmail you. Yeah. Maybe they'll blackmail you, or maybe they do like a super secret hand signal. You find, oh, somehow they knew my society's hand signal. And maybe they're the same society as that, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're the 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 arch rival of my society that's trying to get. <laughs> it's why I love this game, it's right? A, it's just a ton of fun, and uh, the whole society is built around security clearances. Where yes. you start as infrared, which is black security, and then you kind of progress through rainbow colors to like red, yellow, green, blue. Yes. Other like the ultraviolet, which is white. Yeah. The ultraviolet people are the ones who can actually reprogram the computer. Uh, you start as red, which is the troubleshooter level. Yeah, and all these levels have different access to information, right? Yeah. But the problem is, you're never told what the information is. You are not, and that's the other <laughs> thing too: is that this is a bureaucratic <laughs> nightmare society, where to get anything done requires mountains of paperwork and ass kissing to that's make right. it happen, and so. The first time I played this, which was whenever I was up in Kirksville with my group up there, we did the same stealth train mission you did yeah. for your first time. And uh, this guy, Jared, he was sitting there. He's like, I've never had so much fun filling out paperwork in my life. Like, he had, like, his arm had gotten blown off, but he wasn't actually killed. And so he wanted to get a replacement. And so I whip out, like, four forms that I printed. And yes. And like, here, here's the form acquisition form. Here's the application for equipment. Here's the application for medical aid. Fill these out. <laughs> and so he sat there for, like, five minutes filling out, you know, government paperwork <laughs> to get his arm replaced. <laughs> so true, though. That's the problem, right? It's, it's one of those things that you just kind of think about. It's like... I want to put this mailbox in my front yard. All right, you need to fill out these four, these eighteen paperwork. Did you have you somebody come by and survey your land for you first? They're like, uh, I'm just going to put that mailbox in my front yard, and <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just going to do it, and we'll see if anyone cares enough to find me for it. Exactly. That's kind of why I say about it sometimes. It's just like, oh my god, it's a bureaucratic nightmare, but. It's, it is one of those fun games. So I will ask you this. Let me ask you this, James. They've had several iterations of this game since 1984, and it's it's been a lot of uh, changes over the time, mainly because there have been a lot of like copyright issues, or uh, how it has been, not copyright issues. Um, owner owner law. I, is it copyright? Yeah. There's some of it's copyright. Some of it's just bad writing. Like So... That's yeah. So the first edition, like we said, came out in 85, 84. 
that was the one that won a bunch of game awards. Like I said, it was the first RPG of the time, and it's still probably the one that does it best, that encouraged this dark humor, this backstabbing, and we'll talk more about the themes in a little bit, but all these very dystopian themes into it. Now, like I said, West End Games was the publisher for that, and whatever they did the publisher, they managed to pick up the rights to the game, too. And so they released a second edition in 1987, which initially was actually very well received. The rules were a little bit lighter. They're a little bit easier to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it emphasized a slightly more humorous take on the way it was going, kind of emphasizing fast, fast rules. Now, they continued releasing stuff for it in what a lot of fans were calling the meta plot. And they were doing that thing where people ruin a good thing by trying to break new ground. Yeah. Where they introduced, like, you know, Alpha alpha Complex without the computer. Time-traveling Alpha Complex. There was a mission where you, like, became wizards and fought orcs and stuff. And it became completely and totally unrecognizable as a game. Yeah. And it got horribly unpopular. And uh, they developed a very bad reputation for that one. Well, it almost seems like they're pushing material just to try to keep selling things and stay in the limelight. Which, in the fact, this is kind of one of the contradictions of being like a an RPG company, right? You got to keep releasing splat books yep. and material to make money. The more you release material, the faster you hasten the inevitable demise of your rule system. Whenever it just becomes too complicated for anyone to care about anymore. Three point five. Three point five, exactly. <laughs> Which was one of the more successful editions. It lasted a good What are you long talking about, James? I love 4th edition. <laughs> I love it so much, I want to put a pillow across its head and smother it. Yes. These original editions <laughs> had more in common with like a 1st edition, 2nd edition D&D type thing. Yeah. Um, there was a 5th edition that West End Games released in 1995. It is so universally reviled that it's been called a unproduct by the writers of the current edition. This makes me so much like... Nobody what... talks about it. Nobody <laughs> plays it. Everyone just hates it. Can you uh, find it somewhere so we can look? I just want to see how bad uh, it is. It is probably on some of these RPG compiling things. This took the... Uh, it pretty much completely departed from the dystopian themes, and it had like a Vampire the Masquerade, nice. you know, book. So and let's... Like, it, it, would, it, wasn't <laughs> a, it wasn't a commentary on society anymore. It became a commentary on pop so culture. So you got on here... Which is it, a completely different game. You got in here that it's so reviled. So the company saw a 90% decline in sales. Yes. So, so I'm this guessing... Game was, this game was so bad that it put West End Games out of business. They started to release a third edition, which yes, that came after the fifth edition, which was after the second edition. Yes, makes um, sense. The third edition, they were going to try and release it in 1999 after the horrible failure of the 5th edition to try and save their company. They even uh, put out some samples in some gaming expos that summer, but then they all of a sudden shut up about it and stopped talking about it. And it turned out that, one, the company was going under, which they hadn't told anybody yet, but two, the original developers of the game were so infuriated with what they'd done with their product that they actually banded together and came up with enough money to buy the rights back. Which, that's the said. And so the 3rd edition was never released thank God. <laughs> so fast forward a few more years, the original game designers uh, gave out a license to Mongoose Publishing, who have currently the rights to the game. 
yep. to make a new version. They called it Paranoia XP. It came out in the early 2000s. It was obviously a riff on Windows XP. Yes. They did get a cease and desist from Microsoft in 2005. Microsoft would never do such a thing. <laughs> we are talking about? They play the, well with everybody, James. They had to remove the XP from the title. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I think it was an excellent choice. <laughs> In my opinion, a lot of the best, a lot of the best books and scenarios came from this edition. This is where they added the idea of, you know, the secret society recursion. They added the idea of being parts of different parts of the society. They included more capitalist themes in this one, so things like, you know, Alpha Society being on credits, the omnipresent advertising of like bouncy bubble beverage and all these That's different. Right. All these different products you, that you are you, required to use because yes. happiness is mandatory. Have you taken your happiness pill today? You seem to be a bit down. <laughs> this is so. This is very, very uh, similar to things that I've seen. And like that's the, um, the mandatory bonus duty that that came during this edition, yes. where yeah. each person has is an officer too. Like someone's the team leader, someone's the happiness officer, someone's so, the hygiene officer. If you like this kind of stuff, there's a uh, video game that came out a while ago that has like a similar theme. I wasn't super into it, but I'm going to try and go back and do it. Uh, we Happy Few. Okay, yeah. So it's very similar, but they take, they take, they're required to take their pills every so often. Mm-hmm. And, but it, it does that thing where it basically has an overlay, basically makes everything look super happy and ha- happiness. And if you don't, and you, if you don't take it, everything starts to become gray and dull. Yeah. It's kind of a cool concept, but this kind of reminded me of that a they little might bit. Have, they might have thought about it from this, because that's one of the conceits of the game too, is that the society is perfect and anyone who is in a perfect society should be happy. And so just not being happy and clean is enough to get punished and help accomplish. That's right. So it's, so let me, let's keep going and finish off. Anyway, the, finish this off real quick. Yeah. So anyway, XP also brought in some more modern technology, like personal digital companions. And, you know, they updated the game a little bit. There was a 25th anniversary edition in 2009. If XP was third edition, the 25th anniversary was 3.5. It was just a little bit more polished, a little bit better. They slimmed down some of the rules. They got rid of the service group thing. That was just too complicated. <laughs> uh, they, it was a very short printing run. It's actually very hard to get a hold of even digital copies of the 25th anniversary. Really? Edition. Wow. Well, they, they posted it on Mongoose Games now. You can buy PDFs officially, but before their PDF store went up, it was actually very hard to find that one. I would love to try to find and see if they're able to print one off. That would be nice, even like a bound version, because that would be mm-hmm. really nice. That That is one of my favorite versions of the game. The current version is called the Red Clarence Edition. It was also through Bongos. It was a Kickstarter in 2014. I don't think it actually came out until 2019. Yeah, no, it was pretty recent from my uh, memory. Yeah. It has updated the themes a little bit. Like I said, they've gone from communists to terrorists. They've, again, reemphasized the, cap- the post-capitalistic type themes. And they've incorporated some new rules to it. So, for example, during character creation mm-hmm. now, um, you can have like a plus five to a minus five in skills. But the person to the left of you decides where those go. And yes. like it, uh, I think we, we kind of re- There is some backstabbing that. built into character creation itself. That's right. It's actually a lot of fun. It really kind of sets up the theme. And even like the turn order during combat scenarios, there's a bluffing element to it. Yeah. And, it really doubled down on the part where you guys are fighting each other. Oh, I know. A little... little, And and I think it's actually a very worthy addition. 100%. So that was another little mechanic I forgot. We forgot to mention earlier when they first started. So, you know, normally in, like, these these other RPGs, the higher you roll, 
you want to have a higher stat, right? But mm -hmm. in these, you want to have a lower stat. So the more points you have in the stuff, is this correct? The higher the stat you have in it, the worse you'll actually do in it. Isn't that correct? Because you want to have a lower roll, correct? Yeah, and that was how it was in the XP edition. It's a D20 based system, but okay. it's going for lower rolls. Yeah. The new version is a dice pool based system. Okay. So like for each plus you have, you get to roll an extra D6 and it's successes or fails. It's like the Star Wars RPG. Oh, okay. So it's, I, yeah, yeah. We, we should... it's, it's a dice pool system. It, so it works out pretty you, well. you know why they did that, right? So oh, one know. of the creators of this, uh, the I can't remember which one it was. It was the gentleman with the G last name. He actually worked on the Star Wars RPG. Oh, actually, helped bring it out. So he is actually he cross worked at it, but now he has his own company, or he, I believe he consults for an, there was has an old his gaming consulting company essentially. But now, but yeah, mm -hmm. he he worked with uh, to make the Star Wars RPG. That's why you see a lot of similarities if you yeah. look at those. So and then the last thing that's come out, well didn't come out was paranoia happiness is mandatory it was a video game released for the pc in december 2019 on the epic game store it was uh, developed by cyanide and uh, black shamrock studios and it was an isometric real-time rpg if you've played any of those like squad based shooter yep. type things it was similar to that but it came down in mid-january like a month later Completely removed, no explanation. Yep. No one's ever talked about it. I'm guessing it was a licensing problem. Nothing else really makes sense. By all accounts, the game was pretty mediocre, and it sounds like the developers of the original game are trying to protect their IP now, so maybe they pulled it. I, well, I don't know. I can understand that a little bit because it's it's kind of like with things like Lord of the Rings, right? That's that's mm -hmm. definitely a, a, a classic example if you let your IP kind of run wild, you can, might get some really good things, but you might get some really, really bad things, <laughs> as in 5th edition. And I guess they probably were shown something for like a like a beta test or something like that, and they were just like, nope, no, we don't like the one, we don't like the way this game plays out and whatnot. Or maybe just didn't have the, the fun, jovial kind of thing to it that uh, you normally have. And it's single player too, and so like... How do you how do you play a single player game when this is so interactive on... It's so dependent upon how you interact with other people, right? Well, and that's the thing. So you can find some reviews and stuff on YouTube of like early things and see some videos of it. And it's like it's got a paranoia skin on top of a pretty generic, you know, real-time yeah. RPG, like tactical thing. And they... I don't think it felt like paranoia, and I, because you're right, the, the cooperative betrayal part of it is the game. Like it's, I think it would be much better if you made it a multiplayer game. Yes, and you did it like a traditional RPG thing, but you were playing with each other. But you could have basically, it's essentially kind of like have a like a like a D and D like uh, uh, D and D you know, a character builder type thing, but you would play with each other online, essentially. I, mean, I think a procedurally generated game would be perfect for, for Paranoia. Oh, yeah. Because while there are some excellently written modules, like I said, the Stealth Train is one I would definitely recommend for someone trying it for the first time. It doesn't need to happen. No. You get a random mission that in some ways is impossible. Go to you go to research and development, and you get some ridiculous devices that will probably kill you. And then you go try to do your mission without getting in trouble. Like, like I said, this would be perfect for a procedurally generated, like multiplayer roguelike type experience. I think it would be very. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. But let let me ask you this: so what 
what would you expect out of would would so would you recommend this to somebody that is never played an RPG before? Do you think they would be able to play something like this? Uh, I think you could play it. I think that especially the red clearance, the newest version, it's included like some deck based card type stuff. The rules are much shorter, like twenty or thirty pages, and most of that's DM advice. I think that one would probably be more approachable for somebody who's not played before. Okay. Um, I think the game is at its best when you're using it as a break for people who are longtime RPG players. Yes. It's a chance to not have to work together. It's a chance to embrace the craziness and not try to be playing in character or sticking to a thing. Um, but yeah, you can definitely play it first time. Like I said, we've had first time RPG players play in our groups. And like I said, it's yeah. rules light enough that it's not a problem. Yeah. The only thing the player really needs to know for this one is how to roll the dice, because, like I said, the uh, it's actually in the rules that it is illegal for the players to know the rules. Yes. And so, on the Dungeon Master side of things, as long as you keep the crazy going, no one cares. No. Paranoia XP version, like I said, is one I, I think it's probably the best flavored edition. It is definitely one best written edition, but it has some very heavy rules in it that, frankly, you just don't need to use. No, not at all. And I think that was kind of one of the things that I've heard about with some a couple of the newer editions. I know they said with the most, honestly, with the like the 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 red clearance. What was it called again? The, um, the new one, the, red the newest one. newest one. The way they wrote it, which I have a copy of. I, I ordered it. We need to play it sometime. But <laughs> they said it's <laughs> it's more. In, that would be really fun. I would be one hundred percent about that. <laughs> Um, they said, uh, they said it's got, if it was, if it was that one, it was the one, the 25th anniversary. I maybe it was that one, but they said the way it's written, it's more of like an old friend, like, like a conversational thing mm-hmm. as opposed to like, Hey, you know, as opposed to like now, whatever player X does this, do this, do Y, you know, it's like, it's not so, or like, Hey, you know, uh, whenever you, whenever you level up check, look at appendency X to see which spells you can choose from. It's more of like a conversational thing. Like, what this, it flows so yeah. much more easily for a non, like, And that was RPG something person. like the XP version. Like, it had rules in there. Yeah. With the appendixes and the tables and, like, level up progressions and, like, gear progressions. And it was fully fleshed out so that if you wanted to run a long-term campaign yeah. and have it make sense and be self-consistent, you could do it. I don't think many people have actually done that. Like no. I said, I think Paranoia is at its best as a one-shot. 100%, yeah. Whether you're playing a more serious tone or a more crazy tone, I just, yeah, I don't think it's long-term material. No, no. So let me ask you this. Right? So why would you... Th- why would you not want to do this as a long term? Well, so let's let's talk someone through a through a mission, and you can kind of we'll talk through this. <laughs> we'll talk through the stealth train scenario a little bit. Yeah, and you can interject what your experience as well as when you're yes, one hundred percent. Yes. So the the stealth train scenario starts like a lot of them do. You're at your complex where your team lives. Yep. You have to successfully get up and get dressed and make it out the door without betraying each other and killing people. Yes. Usually some people die trying to get out of bed in the <laughs> yes, morning. that's that, 100%. Then you have to make your way to the mission office, which, as the dungeon master, what I do is I just rattle off the address real quick, 
Yes. And hopefully someone was paying attention because if you're not, then you're going to have a lot of trouble. And like nothing is labeled. It doesn't look nothing like anything. Labeled, there's no information. You have to somehow get there and you have a set time frame to make it there or else you're all guilty of treason for abandoning your mission. That's right. And you die. And yes. And then you get there and then you uh, get a quick debriefing by this green ranked officer. And he assigns you your mandatory bonus duties. So he gives out the mandatory bonus duty determination form. It's like a personality quiz. And you're supposed to fill this out, and it's supposed to determine who's going to be the team leader. And who's it means nothing. It means nothing. I actually don't even read them. <laughs> I, uh, I've already picked in advance who I'm going to give each role to because <laughs> I've deliberately picked things that people are going to hate or really like. Yes. Because I... As the dungeon master, what's going on in the background here is I have pre-planned everything so that everyone will be in conflict. The last yes. thing the dungeon master wants is for everyone to work together. So, like when people are making their characters, I have deliberately picked mutant powers and secret societies for them so that I know they will be fighting each other the entire time. Yes, like I have quite deliberately made sure no one can be happy at the end uh, of this game. To be fair, though, <laughs> I think and that's a really good idea. That's a really good you know uh, point usually, put on here. Yeah, and usually, whenever you get this mandatory bonus to tune. Bonus, bonus duty form, I'll slip in a self-termination request form. And yes. then whenever someone tries to ask me why they have this in their pile, I'll say, well, it's important that you fill out every piece of paperwork you're given. And yes. when you fill it out, then you either get yourself killed, or if you were smart, you put someone else's name in and they get killed. And I don't know what you're talking about. I never killed. would have done that already. <laughs> Often I will also print out a copy of the Communist Manifesto and, and stick just... it in someone's pile of paperwork. And see if they're smart enough to just put it under the table, or if they try to ask what it is. <laughs> yes. To be fair, though, I think so. Like the, we haven't yeah. even like started the game, and the stress level is already like an eight or a nine for the player. That's why I love it because you're constantly <laughs> just like, like, why is this here? What's this going on? This shouldn't be like that. And so it's like you like you put these little like little tick, you know, you know, little little, little caltrops here and there, and see yeah. people are gonna step on them yet. And it's it's really fun to and watch. Like, and as the mission goes on, like you go to like this underground train station, you trade off with this. Well, you gotta get to the there. train station yeah, first, which you also don't know where it's at. <laughs> Once you manage to find it and make it through the security clearance yep. area that you're not allowed to be in, yes. And then you finally get there. You're at this empty train station where supposedly the stealth train is located. Yes. And uh, the other team just signs it off to you and leaves. Yes. And now you're in this empty train station, which may or may not contain a stealth train. You will never know. <laughs> and you can't find it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. But it's supposed to be there. And you sign paperwork saying that you agreed it was there when you started your mission. That's right. So, mm -hmm. And as, like, things go on, like, just... you know, like, a team of, <laughs> like, a, a group of Girl Scouts gets led through on, like, a tour. Yeah. Like, a, uh, a unstealthy train shows up. Like yeah, people, it goes through it. Some, people, some people drive in this like old coal-powered monstrosity, and they're like, "Is this the stealth train?" Because remember, this city is a bureaucratic nightmare, and this yeah. might be the stealth train. And if yes. it is, then you're about to die because it's yeah. definitely not stealthy. It's obviously not. Yeah, like, there's a terrorist attack. The military comes in. There's an inspector, I think, comes there, at one an point. An inspector comes through. Uh, tech support calls you up and tries to talk to you through checking all the systems. And they like are giving you explicit instructions that you're supposed to tell them what the what the panel shows. Yes. And this whole thing builds and builds and builds and eventually like the general shows up. Yeah. <laughs> and you better have your shit together at that point or you're about to all die. Most likely you will not though. <laughs> it usually comes down to who's good enough, like who is able to bluff their way through the scenario so they don't die. Exactly. And so like as the dungeon master for that, I'm just turning the screws a little bit more. Yes. A little bit more. 
and a little bit more. And by the end of the session, everyone is like cranked up to 11 or 12 on their stress level trying to I, make this happen. I know. People died five or six times a piece at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I was. We were playing it the first time. I remember that the only thing that kept me from my head exploding were the amp, was the ample amounts of booze you were putting in front of me, which I think, <laughs> I don't know if it helped me or hurt me in the long run. But it, it was definitely, like you said, it, I know Jackie was losing her ever-loving mind. <laughs> I remember she loved, but she it was more of like a, it's more like a fun anxiousness. It's not like a actual, like, oh, if things go bad, every, someone's going to get hurt. It's like, oh, this doesn't really matter. It's more of a fun kind of anxiousness. It's so well, it's, 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 it's close enough to the pointless nonsense we do in our daily lives. You know, everyone does. What, what are you yes. talking about, James? Everything I do in my life has meaning. <laughs> I will just say that whenever we were playing that scenario, I could tell that you were like thinking of your real job while we were doing this. <laughs> it was, I, it was mm, a little bit too close to some of the nonsense you've been asked to do, I think. <laughs> I don't have to do it anymore. It doesn't matter. It's not my job. But... <laughs> it's not my job. I don't care anymore. I sit in front of my computer all day and I look at other people's code. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Ah, uh, so much better. Yeah, it's it's a stress relief. It lets you kind of experience these things that we all hate about our daily life, and cathartically murder each other through them. Yeah, pretty much. And it's great. I don't know how many times my wife killed me in that game. <laughs> Quite a few, actually. I think you died three times that game, and it was all from Jackie. She, you. yeah, and it wasn't even like she would just like rat me out from us random things. <laughs> it was like dumb stuff, like. He forgot, you know, from computer, I do believe that David, or whatever my name was, forgot to brush his teeth this morning, and they're like, cleanliness is next to, next day, perfect, your friend computer, David, and you would just kill me. <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> I had to make sure Jackie had a good time. Oh, she, def she definitely had a good time there, <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. But yeah, that's it's it's one of those great games, it's a great, like, one-night party game, and it only really only takes you about three, maybe top, like, two to three hours, if you wouldn't mind it's to make pretty a quick, quick, yeah. pretty quick kind of session, because... The way it's set up, you kind of start to slowly kind of build, and eventually you're moving at a breakneck speed, right? Exactly. Like it, it gains momentum as you're going through the scenario. I know, and I and I love that about it. So, but there's so many. I was after that when I remember I started looking at some of the other scenarios, and there is a a nice like you know uh, a collection of stuff. There's you know, hundreds of them out there. Even just just from what the ones that the, the the creators made, but also a lot of the ones that, you know, individuals have made. So, mm -hmm. and like you said, looking through them though, like you said, you do get both ends of the spectrum. You get some of them that are just amazingly fun and zany. Mm -hmm. And some of them are, that are just like you said, I don't, I don't, why would anybody <laughs> want to work at an algae farm? This is so dumb. <laughs> it's very, it's a lot closer to that uh, early, like that early communist China type thing or like Soviet Russia type stuff. And I'm just like, Whoa, well, that was something that they introduced in the XP version. Yeah. Because second edition had given the game a bad name, a bad rep where it had become too zany and too lighthearted. They kind of try to bring it to the middle. They wanted yeah. to bring it back. And so when they made the XP version, they explicitly said there were three different ways to play the game. You can play it zap, which is the crazy yes. three stooges. You can play a classic, which is kind of in between, or you can play it straight, which is fuel beer, you know, full-on bureaucratic nightmare hell. And they wrote scenarios for all three styles, and they, they listed at the beginning of the scenario how you were intended to tone it, and you could try and pick one. Oof. And they, they redeemed the reputation of the game. So it, it worked out for them in the future in that way, and now they don't even mention it. They Because I think people have reached the point in RPGs now where people they can play it however they want but. yeah i mean well because that's the thing though too like so like in 80 in the 80s 
you know, RPGs were still kind of in their infancy. They've only, they'd only been around for what, maybe, you know, 10, 15 years, probably. Yeah. Scott Gax, he can't, he brought his stuff came out in like the sixties, probably. Oh, that's that early. It was the seventies, yeah, late set, like late set. Seventies or eighties. Yeah. Late seventies. I mean, Paranoia so, was a fairly early RPG as far as those things go. So, I mean, so, but that it was still in its infancy, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all these things is like they, they, they don't really know where to go with it. And I love that they kind of took that as that hard turn in there. And I really hope to see some more stuff from these guys if they do decide to, you know, make other things. But I would say like a lot of these guys, Paranoia is they're like the pinnacle creation because a lot of these guys are in their almost late 50s, early 60s now. Yeah. So uh, and this is the type of game that I don't think is ever going to really die. I don't no. think it's it's never going to be as mainstream as D anD D, but it's also always going to be around because yeah, like I said, you could update the themes a little bit to bring in whatever the hated enemy of the week is for our world society. But the game writes itself. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, does honestly, you could put whatever bad you could put whatever label you want on it and just like change it up a bit. And it would be fine. So yeah, as long as we live in a bureaucratic capitalist society, paranoia will continue to be a game. A hundred percent. So, and that's what I love about this. It's it's so, it's so it's 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 real enough that you can kind of see it a little bit, but it's also like <laughs> out there enough. You're just like, oh sweet Jesus! Like, there's no way this would happen. There's no there's no way they're gonna give me a, a health bar. That might be made out of people, and we just don't know it. So it's just like, oh, this is great for me. How did you enjoy your nutrient bar, David? Oh, this is quite nice. Hmm, why is there a toenail on this? Don't ask questions, friend David. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I truly enjoy this game. So, um, so let me ask you, James, how many, how many, uh, uh, how many clones out of ten would you give this one? I mean, I would give this a complete six out of six. That's right, because that's six is the, that perfect, is the perfect number. That's the perfect number of clones. That's the perfect number of clones. Like I said, playing it in the spirit it's made, it's a great game. It's a lot of fun. One hundred percent. I would uh, also give this a, probably a six out of six because, like I said, this is. I take it back. I will give it a five point six out of six because, like I said, although it's amazing, the 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 themes and everything are great. You can't play it for long long settings. That's the only drawback no, I have for can't. it. Which, to be fair, I don't want to play it in a long setting. This is made exactly the way it needs to be. So, But yeah, um, guys, if you guys have not played this uh, game, again, it is called Paranoia. Go out and check it out. Um, there are tons of little uh, RPG repositories online that you can go find and get the rule sets. But watch Critical Role's uh, gameplay with see if you like it. It's they a have a blast. One shot. It, it's, it is the slapstick version of the game. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, though. They're, in, as usual, in character and dressed up for it. And it's great. 100%, which... Uh, I wish sometimes I had that kind of money. I could just do that kind of yeah. dumb stuff. So. And there's there's not really anyone else playing Paranoia. I mean, there's a few things floating around out there, but if you just want to watch something for an hour and see what the game's about, watch them. Yeah, and they do a really good job because they have that kind of dumb, kind of like a voice actor and actors kind of like vibe. Like, they're creatives. That's what they do for their living. Yes. So they have a lot of fun with it. So, um, But yeah, so check it out, guys. Um, if you guys have any more questions about it, just hit us up. Let us know. James, I want to thank you for uh, delving. This is the first RPG we've dealt in a lot, dealt, dug into a it a while. while. It's been a little while. Like I said, I've been trying to get uh, Zach over here maybe for some D&D. Uh, figure out, maybe we could do like an early D&D edition. Just kind of... Yeah, the first or second edition? Yeah, it's something that's a little less dense. We could talk about Thacko, and we could talk about... Uh, Vecna. The, com- the communist score that women had for a while in D&D. 
Like I said, there's a good there's a good reason they had updated editions and that went away. I'm just saying. Uh, the incredible controversy when the Rogue Class got released. I mean, oh my god! Like, uh, yeah, there's some interesting D and D history we can talk about. Uh, tons of stuff. And that might be a big, uh, more like a two parter. Maybe we might mm-hmm. split that one up. So, but yeah, that's. Uh, I really enjoy these kind of things, and it's a nice departure from just straight up anime and uh, video games every once in a while. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, guys, if you have any uh, any uh, you know topics you want us to talk about. Write us in, you know, message us over uh, social media, whatever you want. I know James and I are, are, we love talking about whatever the heck we want to talk about, but we want to hear every once in a while what you guys want us to talk about. If you don't agree with what we talked about today and you think Paranoia is a dumb game, we'd love to hear about that too. We will firmly disagree with you. Friend Computer would remind you that happiness is mandatory. That's right. <laughs> so you must love the the, the, the Friend Computer uh, RPG, which is Paranoia. So, um, <laughs> so God, I love this so much. But yeah, check it out, guys. If not, uh, yeah, that's your own uh, own sadness and single tear rolls on my face. Um, but either <laughs> way, guys, uh, James, I want to say thanks for coming in and sharing us your enormous wisdom, which is you know RPGs. I would say this is probably one of the things you have a lot of knowledge in that I that I sorely lack in. But I am getting there because I had a dead period of my life where I didn't have a lot of people to play RPGs yeah, with. It but it's okay, you're back in my life again, James. It's okay. You just you can hold me, wrap me in your warm RPG blanket. Oh, sweet kisses and nothing. Else. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. I appreciate you coming in and listen to us talk dumb and uh, talk paranoid today. Uh, we will see you again next month again for next month's news. All right, James, talk to you later, man. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps, or subscribe to our YouTube channel at. Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.